Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, March 1st. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, lawmakers want to prevent AI from being used to deceive voters prior to an election. Then residents of Turkey Creek say they still have concerns after the state appeals, or rather a court Let me say that again. Then residents of Turkey Creek say they still have concerns after a state appeals court ruled a military storage site can be built nearby. Plus, tomorrow is Read Across America Day and early education groups calling on parents to get a book and read to their kids. Artificial intelligence is being used to replicate people's voices and their likeness in videos that can be indistinguishable from reality. And lawmakers in Mississippi's Senate want to prevent this technology from being used to sway elections. Deep fakes are a form of AI that are trained on thousands of images of someone, such as a politician, to replace the face and body features of an actor in a video at or beyond the level of Hollywood productions. House Bill 2577 would make it a crime to spread this content with the desire to discredit a political candidate within 90 days of an election. Republican Senator Jeremy England of Van Cleve chairs the chamber's election committee. He tells our Will Stribling Mississippi needs to be the fourth state to ban the use of this technology for political purposes, but still maintain an exception for satire and parody. The Secretary of State brought this uh, to us, and it's been something I've heard from a lot of groups about, uh, and we're hearing about it in other legislation, uh, you know, sextortion, uh, things like that, uh, deep fake. Uh, we had some uh, language, you know, revenge porn. Um, anytime you've got a candidate on there, uh, I believe we had a situation uh, out of the state of New Jersey where some students got a hold of some AI and depicted a young lady uh, doing some things that was not really her, but they depicted her that way. So it's it's all across the board. Um, it's it's a situation that I think we need to get ahead of in Mississippi here, and of course, elections being one of the things that will put uh, candidates right up on the platform and and be targets. We don't want to see people using uh, AI to to harmfully depict somebody or to start trying to uh, influence our elections in a way uh, that uses a digitization uh, of, a, of a person, whether it be audio or visual. 
how hard in, in situations where this would apply if it were signed into law, uh, how difficult do you think it's going to be to find the originators here of, of these of these materials? Because you know, there's just you know, it's it's easy to, to to get anonymity online. You know, if you if you want. That's right, and and look, that's certainly going to be an issue, and and this is likely going to be an issue we're going to have to look at and 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 fine tune as we go. Uh, because you're right, and, and other countries do this, you know, a lot of this stuff, especially the, the, the phone calls and the audio, a lot of times will originate outside of the country with someone trying to either catfish someone or impersonate someone or, or um, somehow embezzle money from someone. Uh, so, so we're going to have to look at that and make sure that we're fine-tuning this law as we go, uh, and we're just on the very front edge of this being a new thing. Um, so I, I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but but certainly the, the prosecutors having the ability to go after someone and then allowing them to go find the individual that would need to be served. Um, as we get rolling in this process, we will certainly be willing to work with attorney generals, DA, uh, Secretary of State, anybody else that has suggestions on how we can prevent these bad actors from, from doing this. And um, y'all talked about how satire and uh, parody is protected under this. Uh, what about, um, you know, attack ads? You know, th- th- let me just give you a, a theoretical example. Like, say, during the last gubernatorial election, had this law been on the books of a pro Brandon Presley's super PAC sent out mailers. And on the mailer, it said, you know, it talked about how. Brandon Presley was better for education than than the Governor Reeves, and there was a picture of Governor Reeves with a speech bubble, and it said, "I hate teachers" or something like that. Right. Would that be considered? Would that would something like that count under under this law? Well, it wouldn't because it's it's not a realistic depiction of Governor Reeves. Obviously, when he speaks, you don't have bubbles come out of his mouth and and things like that. So now, however, had uh, had Governor Reeves. Uh, visually and and audio uh, using technology had they been able to mimic that and have him saying something like that that would absolutely fall into this uh, and vice versa so I think that's a good question and it kind of clarifies what we're doing here yeah. so, I guess that just falls I guess in the like can a reasonable person be led to believe that this is a legitimate thing that was was said or done by the candidate right that's correct yes yes I know y'all did it earlier this week, but uh, can you explain why y'all think now is the time to uh, to get rid of that uh, that five day grace period for for absentee ballots? Yeah, so that's something we're looking at. We're moving. Look, it's an issue. As a legislator, I agree that we don't need that. It was a COVID uh, uh, situation that we were in, allowing absentee ballots to be counted uh, up to five days or, or maybe longer after the election. In other words, if they were postmarked by the election, we allowed a, uh, an additional time for them to be received by the office. And you essentially um, may have had votes being counted after election day, whether they not, you know, whether they were postmarked or not. And I know that's the issue with the lawsuit. Um, that's going on right now. I can just tell you I'm a legislator, so if I see a legislative fix, I think it's my job to look at how I can help that. Um, I'm not sure where that will go. I've got a lot of uh, discussions to have on that, but I did want to keep a vehicle going through uh, to make sure that we are hopefully able to clean up that issue here in Mississippi. House Bill 2577 must also clear the Judicial B Committee before it can move on to floor for debate. Coming up, residents in the Turkey Creek area of Gulfport remain opposed to a military site being built near their homes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
we try to make it easy for you to listen to MPB Think Radio with all the useful information you hear on our local programs, including car repair, your health, personal finance, technology, and more. You can listen on the radio in your car or at home, using your smart speaker or smartphone, or listening online. And coming soon, an exciting new way to access our local programs. MPB Think Radio, helping you lead a better life. Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Courts have permitted the construction of a military storage site in the Turkey Creek area along the Gulf Coast. But residents in the historically black communities there say their fight isn't over. Attorneys representing them say the military site in Gulfport would house dangerous explosive materials and dredge up land that is already polluted with toxic chemicals. Kathy Eglin is co-founder of the Gulfport-based Education, Economics, Environmental, and Health Organization, also known as ECHO. She speaks with our Mike McEwen at a church in the Turkey Creek community. Eglin says this decision by the court to move forward with construction will hurt those who live nearby, and they plan to take their case to the Mississippi Supreme Court. These decisions adversely impact residents. It, it impacts an entire community. It, it, uh, people are robbed of their heritage, robbed of their cultural. When um, decisions are made that will allow um, communities to be exposed not only to exacerbated flooding, but in this particular case, um, we've got a situation to where communities will be home to some powerful explosives. Um, when there are alternatives, there are so many different. We have three alternatives that we've suggested where these communities, um, where these um, projects could actually be located. So why locate them in the middle of a residential African-American community? Could you Could you just tell me what you were before I started rolling just about you know, where we are and where this church is located, what its cultural, historical significance is to this community, as well as just the proximity to Turkey Creek just right there? Absolutely. Um, thought we could meet at this location because of its proximity to Turkey Creek and because it's adjacent to the historical Forest Heights subdivision. And that subdivision has such historical significance I actually met former HUD Secretary Jack Kemp when he was running for vice president with Bob Dole. And um, we had to introduce ourselves and say where we were from. And I said I was from Gulfport, Mississippi. He grabbed his heart. He said, Forest Heights, turn key. I just said to myself, what does he know about, you know, Forest Heights and turn key? And so about six months later, I was in Jackson at a National Council of Negro Women State Conference and Dr. Dorothy Height was there, and the exact same thing happened when I said I was from Gulfport, Mississippi. She said, Paris oh, Heights turned key. And I'm like, I had that reaction from Secretary Kemp. What is it? And she spent, I had the honor of having her to spend the next hour and a half 
telling me about the history and um, how this project came together. And so I had absolutely no idea. And so this was obviously her heritage, something that she was extremely proud of. And Dr. Hyatt is a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. She was an advisor to Dr. King. So that's a lot of rich history. And the unfortunate thing is that we keep fighting the same battles. And so we're in the second generation of some of these fights, and we don't want them to go on. A lot of this is based in the zoning. We still have Jim Crow segregation arrow zoning in place. And that is a root cause. People don't like it when you talk about systemic racism, but we do redistricting every 10 years after the census. But this zoning has been in place for over 50 years. It's the same zoning that was in place that mandated African-Americans to live in this community. They wouldn't give Dr. Hyde any other property. They put it in a low-lying area because those were in their in area zone heavy industrial because African-Americans were not allowed to live anywhere else. And so the community built this home around where they were mandated by segregated laws to build. And then now even that's not enough because they're not going to change the zoning. You can drive through it and see it's easily overwhelmingly residential. However, it still has uh, heavy industrial zoning to it. And so this is going to automatically, uh, I won't say allow, but it justifies the permitting of all of these toxic projects and these projects that will exacerbate flooding, contaminate Turkey Creek. Uh, people in this area were not allowed to go down on the beach uh, to be baptized. Turkey Creek is sacred baptismal ground. And um, now everything that comes along, you know, there's no hesitation about having it further contaminated. It used to be a recreational source because African Americans were not allowed to go to the beach. It was a fishing food source. And now it's, it's contaminated. Lives and generations have been, in, been invested in these communities. So the decision just doesn't ex just doesn't impact a project. It impacts an entire cultural heritage. Is there any concern that the decision to allow this permit or to rule that this permit went through the valid process and legal process, is there concern that that might open up this area to even more development beyond this one military project? Absolutely. If, if, if they are saying that the notice that the community received was sufficient, then that sets a very, very low bar for the um, Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality. I, I can't begin to tell you how disheartening it is to have an agency that you depend on for your protection that continues to disregard, disrespect, and not inform you and, and think that that's okay. You know, um, they will, will always hear that as long as an area is zoned a certain way, 
that it's going to be permitted. It doesn't matter how dangerous it is. And I, I often go back and I look at MDEQ's mission statement. And I've talked with the executive director about this. I don't see them following any part of that mission statement except the part about economic development. Because when it comes to our protection, we, we just we don't see it. Kathy Eglin is with the community environmental group ECO. Coming up, parents are invited to grab a book and sit down with their kids for National Read Across America Day. That's tomorrow. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Work week ends with local programs on MPB Think Radio. At 9, all aspects of gardening are discussed on the Gestalt Gardener. Next Stop Mississippi highlights events taking place around the state at 10. At 11, explore women's health on Southern Remedy for Women. Classical, jazz, indie, blues, folk, bluegrass, whatever you call your music. Find it on MPB Music Radio on mpbonline.org or the MPB Public Media app or on an HD radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Tomorrow, parents are being asked to get their children and participate in National Read Across America Day. Mississippi's reading scores have been rising in recent years. Teachers have maintained their calls for parents to engage with their children in reading. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Yolanda Minor, director of Save the Children Mississippi. She says reading just a few minutes each day with a young child can help stimulate their growing brains. So first of all, we know that 90% of the child's brain is developed at age six. So setting a foundation and engaging parents in learning and reading is very important. So Save the Children Early Learning Programs across Mississippi and America are founded on the belief that parents and caregivers are their child's first and most important teacher. So we focus on building the capacity of parents, providing age-appropriate books, and encouraging parents to read to their children on a daily basis. How can parents and their children get involved this weekend? They could get a book. They can have that bonding time within that book. This, is, this allows a parent and a child to cuddle up together, to have that dialogue, to have that cozy conversation. Also, books provide the building blocks of language. So when caregivers read to their children, they can ask them to point to the pictures, um, to ask them, what does this uh, say to you? What color is this on the page? So it's also increasing their sensory experience. How important is it for parents to have this time with their children to approach reading and try to get their child to learn, whether it be a child that is just learning to read or a child that has experience reading but maybe needs more challenging text? It's very important because if you show me a a child that can read, you will show me a child that can do anything in the world. It is needed each and every day. Math is you're required to read. 
Uh, English, you're required to read. Every subject in school, you are required to read. So it's so important that they are exposed to reading in books and get excited about it early on. We talked earlier about 90% of the brain being developed at age six. So that means those brain connections that's happening early and rapid need to be engaged. So the parents and the children need to have access to books. They need to get excited about books and they need to celebrate reading every day. Now, for some people, books can be expensive. Uh, What suggestions do you have for families that might be strapped for cash but still want to have their child engage in reading? Well, in rural areas in Mississippi, I find that they lack age-appropriate books in the homes, but we encourage them to visit the library to get a library card. There's programs like Save the Children Home Visiting Programs where we build home libraries for children and we encourage the parents and model dialogic reading strategies for them to read and engage with their children. Now, Mississippi has such a storied history with reading uh, and, and authors. Now, I know there are certainly some negative stereotypes about the Deep South, but Mississippi has some of the greatest authors ever to put words on paper. What are your words to people about where Mississippi's heading, uh, especially considering our reading scores from national testing assessments have been going up and up? Yes, I'm excited about that. And that tells me that programs and organizations like Save the Children are really impacting those communities that we work in that are the most rural, the under-resourced areas where economic barriers are intensified, that we're impacting children. So we're meeting the children where they are and meeting the parents where they are in the home. So we want to continue to encourage parents. We want to continue to build home libraries and provide those resources that will continue to help our reading scores um, excel in Mississippi. If a child seems to be struggling to read at their grade level, would you all have any suggestions for parents to help them uh, try to engage more and try to work towards reaching that goal? It's an acronym called SHARE, S-H-A-R. R-E. And S stands for snuggle with your child. H means help your child turn the pages and point to the pictures. A means ask your child questions about the story. R means respond to your child's comments and questions. That means ask them questions. Do you understand? Do you comprehend what you're reading? And E, please be sure to enjoy this special bonding time with your child. Children want that. They want to, be, they want to make their children, their parents proud. Do y'all have any specific events going on this weekend about reading across America to try to engage or help people in local levels? Well, we have early childhood coordinators across the state who will engage in activities uh, with parents and children and promote reading, bringing um, leaders in to read books and to ask questions with children. We encourage parents to do that at home on a daily basis as well. So there are activities that will be going on, but we want to encourage reading every day. And when you say every day, what uh, are y'all asking parents? Are you, are you saying like read a book a day, read a chapter a day? Do y'all have any specific like suggestions? Well, even if it's not reading a book every day, 
everyday interactions are gold mines for learning. So whether you're at bath time with your child, whether you're riding down the street in the car, just have that conversation with your child. Some parents that have multiple children work an eight-hour day. It's hard for them to sit down and read a book. But if you engage them in everyday interactions, you're still building their brains. So if just a few minutes a day can still make a difference whenever it's a consistent thing. Um, the research says that that reading with your child each and every day will help build their capacity in reading. It will help them be successful in school. Also, this day was launched in 1998 by the National Education Association to encourage kids and families to get excited about reading. We want children and parents to get excited about reading. Also, if you want to learn more about what Save the Children is doing, please go to SaveTheChildren.org. Yolanda Miner is director of the Mississippi chapter of Save the Children. Yolanda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.